right. Thank you, Lord. You can have a seat. How are we doing this morning? How are we doing this morning? All right, good. Don't make me be the only one who brings energy today, right? You got this, right? No? Okay, well, we'll do our best. Um, now that our pleasantries are over, let's get to it. I um, asked for, every time, sometimes I ask on social media, for those of you who are on social media, for help. And um, I asked for a target. What a church we have. Like a million people. Do you need a gun target? Whoa, sound down. This is church. Pistol? What do you need? You need a pellet gun target? Archery target? Uh, dart boards galore? I got an electronic dart board. I got all kinds of stuff. So I went with the biggest one. All right, so we, we, we have a target. And I'm going to put this up here for you. Now, who thinks they can hit that target? Anyone? I don't think they can hit that. Oh, my gosh. Nobody thinks they can hit it? Nobody? Nobody? You think you can hit it, Colleen? All right, stand up. Don't go anywhere. Just stand up. Come on. Hit it. <laughs> I don't want to get hit by your shoe. Just So, uh, the no, no, stay up, stay up, stay up. The obvious problem that Colleen's having is that I can't hit it, right? I don't have anything to hit it with, right? So, sometimes we look at a target and we can see the target, but we don't bother because we got nothing to hit it with. So, I have some help for you. I got these very soft balls, okay? Now, why don't you come out and come a little bit closer. Let's help you out. You think you got it? Oh, you've already measured it up. <laughs> She's measuring it up. All right, let's wait. Now, turn around. Face the sound booth. Don't look at the target. Let's see how you do like that. Go. Ready, set, go. Throw it. She really wants to try this. That wasn't horrible. I'm not the target, though. All right. Now you can look. Give it your best shot. That's, you're as far as we've had all weekend, so go for it. These balls are not the best. <laughs> she takes a practice. She got it. Oh, my gosh. You're the new pastor. You win. That's it. Let's hear it for Colleen. You can sit down. You don't even need this ball. You're my new go-to for this, right? Because she perfectly illustrated, right, that, that we can see the target sometimes, but if we're just like, oh, there's the target, but we don't bother, right? We don't aim and hit it. And then sometimes we're like, there's a target, hopefully I hit it, and you're not going to hit anything when you do that. But when you aim, and sometimes you, you don't do perfect, like Colleen was from that far away, but you miss, but you get a lot closer, and you keep aiming, and you keep trying, right? And this ridiculous illustration is because sometimes, um, it, whether it's, our time together, a sermon, or that's when you open the Bible and read it, um, God's Word, or whenever you're at a Bible study or something like that, it's like we can sometimes be like, okay, that's a nice target, and then we can leave. And I never want you to do that, right? I want you to be able to say, all right, what for me is God asking me to aim at, right? Well, is it to, to be more humble in, in my marriage? Is it, my wife would say yes, but I don't know, I don't need you to say that. Uh, is it, you know, whatever the, the is it to, um, to forgive someone? Is it to read my Bible more? Whatever that comes out of that, you feel God uh, telling you to do, the, the idea is take that one, two, or three steps and actually aim for something. Otherwise, you'll never hit it. Have you ever said, anyone here, just be honest, ever said, I, need to get, I just need to get in better shape? Anyone are healthier? Okay, most of us, right? And, and, and so has there anyone just, let's, we're all friends here, I think, let's just be honest. Have you ever said that and been like, yeah, I really need to get in shape and you absolutely nothing to, to help? <laughs> right? Just wake up and hope it's just going to happen. You see the target, but you turn your back on it. But now, sometimes you're like, hey, I'm going to go to the gym, or I'm going to start uh, walking, or I'm going to eat better, and you actually take steps to hit it. 
And that's the only thing that works. And so we're going to get to this passage in Acts um, where, uh, in chapter 11, where, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever done a, a sermon series in Acts before this one, or a Bible study in Acts. Invariably, there's a chapter or a section or a sermon that says something like, uh, be like Barnabas. And I'm, I got to be different. So I'm like, I'm not doing that. It's the obligatory thing. Oh, Barnabas, Barnabas. So I got to this passage, and I studied it, and I prayed about it, and I looked at it, and I prayed about it, and I came up with this amazing original title, Being Barnabas. <laughs> I just dropped the like, all right? And uh, because ultimately he does, and what I love about Barnabas is he's, he's not like this warrior guy. He's just an encourager, and he's just a man who loves Jesus, and, and he's a bridge builder to people. And you're not all going to be exactly like Barnabas. You might relate more to Paul, right? Laser focus. He wants just to teach the word of God, and you just dig in. Maybe that's more you. But there are some targets that we can hit by looking at Barnabas that, that really can resonate with all of our lives, targets to try to hit. So let's pray as we come to this passage. Um, Father, I, I just ask for um, you to show us to show each individual who's here or joining us online as well, that, that show us where those targets are in our life, where, in these different things as we look at this man Barnabas and we see attributes that we want in our own lives. And Lord, I pray for our students. I pray for our young adults. I pray for our not-so-young adults um, who are in, in this room where you have us, that you would show us very specifically what targets to shoot for. Lord, I pray we wouldn't be overwhelmed with too many things, but just a few that you can give us the courage and strength to start doing. We ask this humbly in our great Lord and Savior name, Savior's name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Um, so uh, we've been going through the book of Acts, and if you want to follow along, it's chapter 11, verse 19. Um, this, this, we started in the spring. We're going to go through about half of the book, and we'll come back at some point to finish it. I know some of you OCD people are like, we've got to finish it, right? Um, we will, but we're just, the, the plan was to bring us up to only a few weeks. About Advent is where we'll, we'll move on. But we will return for the second half at some point. Just be, be on the lookout for when it comes out. Um, but, but if you, one of the reasons we like to go through books or large sections of scripture is yes, each individual, you know, message, you'll, you'll get a focus on a particular topic, but you get to see as we've traversed through this, the whole picture and sort of the bird's eye view of what the book of Acts is really all about. And it's about that mission, right? That Jesus gave them. Take this gospel and this good news of Jesus and bring it to the ends of the earth. And you get to, in the book of Acts, we've gotten to see it happen by God's power and God's glory. Now these people, they're like coming to Christ. They stayed in Jerusalem, right? And they're kind of like, all right, this is good. And they kept it within the, the Jewish people, right? Because they figure, well, the Messiah is for the Jews, not the Gentiles. And then we've seen, right? We saw the persecution hit in Jerusalem. We see Stephen get stoned. We see Philip and a lot of others. They get pushed out, right? And they, and, and, and they go far to all these different places and towns and cities. And guess what they brought with them? The gospel, and, and so in the meantime, Luke takes a break and he shows us the conversion of Saul. The enemy of the church becomes part of the church. And then uh, Cornelius' household and, and Peter's like table fellowshipping with a, a Gentile. And it's craziness to these people, right, that God is doing this. But now Luke's going to turn the attention back to those people as they were pushed out and persecuted, as they bear the gospel. 
Right, so in verse 19, Luke writes, Now those who were scattered, that's them, right, because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, they traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. So I'm not going to put a map on, but you can basically see these towns going further and further north. You finally get to Antioch, which is about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. Is for that, especially for that time period, that's a lot. Right? It's a long way. And Antioch was one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire at the time. It was kind of like, think about our big cities. It was like a melting pot of culture and language and different people from different places, right? All kind of there in this hub city. And it was known not for their morality. They had, five miles outside, they had a temple to Artemis and Apollos. And it was a temple where you worshipped with prostitutes. Parents, you can talk to your kids about that at lunch, okay? I'm not going to go any further. But that gives you a flavor for this city. It's a city where they're not like God-fearers like Cornelius. They're not looking for the God of Abraham. They're not, like, they aren't. They don't have any of that. They just know, man, they're a mess, a lot of these people, and they need someone to save them. Sound like anybody you know? Sound like you at some point? (laughs) I don't know if I believe in God. I don't know. I just know this isn't working. I need it, right? And so, so that's the city that, they, that they're at. And so as these people are scattered, they start with just going to synagogues and talking to Jewish people because they just thought the gospel, that's who it was for. When Jesus said, go to the ends of the earth, well, yeah, to the ends of the earth, but to the Jews who were at the ends of the earth. It's not these other pagan Gentiles. But some didn't know any better. Watch, Luke tells us. Some did something completely different. He says, now, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Love those statements in Acts. They're like throughout the story. A great number. A bunch of thousands were added, 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 added. God is moving in this. But this, like, a lot of scholars think that this English translation, Hellenists, is not, because that could be translated into some different words. One of them, which seems more fitting, would be the Greeks, okay? Because Hellenists were Jews, and, and this seems to be a different category beyond. They were already preaching to, to the, bringing the gospel to the Jews, but now they're bringing it to those who aren't to those who have no idea of the covenant, really, of Moses. They don't know uh, this God. They're just, right, they're just in this city full of anything you want. If it feels good, do it. Sounds familiar to anybody, right? Like, we live in Antioch. Let's just be honest. And, and, and there they are, and they hear this news about this Jesus, this Christ, and they turn to the grace of God. And so people are getting saved left and right in this pagan city. Now, to you and I, that's like awesome news, right? But do you remember um, last week, if you were with us, where Peter table fellowshiped with, uh, with Cornelius and the church of Jerusalem called him out into the carpet? And they were like, Peter, what was the deal with that? Well, they hear the news, right? The, the church in Jerusalem hear, hears the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So here we go again. We got to figure this out. Like, what is happening here? So they sent Barnabas to Antioch. They sent Barnabas. And so, so I, I think they're like, hey, someone needs to go check this out. Is this real? Is this legit? Are these people really believing the truth? Is this right? So, so they make an amazing choice. Now, we don't really know. Maybe Barnabas heard that there was a need for us. He says, I'll go. That would be like him. Or maybe they were like, with a lot of wisdom and prayer, said, who should we send? And he was the perfect choice for a few reasons. One, 
He's from Cyprus himself. He was fluent in Greek. He would have understood the culture very well. He would have understood the mess that came along with it very well. But he also was a very, very strong Christian. We see him in the early chapters of Acts when he's selling whole pieces of property, laying it at the apostles' feet. He's, he's the one, one uh, helping Saul when he gets converted. Like Barnabas is just an encourager. And so they send him to check it out. And so if you're in Antioch, you're like, oh, no, here comes the guy from Jerusalem. We've heard these guys can be tough, right? So this is what happens. uh, When he came, it's Barnabas, he saw the grace of God. He was glad. And then he exhorted them all, remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith. Uh, he, he's, just imagine, he gets to town, right? And he gets to Antioch. Have you ever been in a place where it's almost all very new believers? What does it look like? Two big things. One, tons of passion for Jesus. Right, they haven't learned yet to temper that, you know? Like us most of them, oh, don't be too, you know. They're just like, I can't believe this, right? They're, they're just riding high on that, right? Second thing, a lot of mess, right? They're like kids who are growing. And it's like, oh my goodness, like a lot of mess. Because they haven't figured out, right, that I'm not supposed to even do that. Right? You can see Barnabas comes to town and they're just like, hey, Barnabas, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, someone lets out an expletive or something. And, you're, and, 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 and Barnabas could have been like, hey, whoa, we don't talk like that in the church, right? But instead, what does Barnabas see? He doesn't see first the mess. He'll deal with that. You don't stay in your mess. That's not what God wants. But... He sees the mighty, amazing grace of God. I don't know how you're wired. Maybe you like communities that are very clean and neat. I love, not mess where people want the mess. I love mess that God's working in. You're seeing people turn to the truth of Christ. The light turn on. And yeah, they're still saying words they shouldn't say. Pastor, there's uh, cigarette butts in the parking lot. Oh. They haven't figured out they need to hide their smoking habit, right? They just haven't figured that out yet. Is that too much? Too much for you guys? All right. Just want to make sure. But no, like, like I, we, we want mess that God's cleaning. And, and, then, and Barnabas, man, he sees that, right? And so he exhorts them. And that means he's doing more than just speaking. Because we're going to find out he lives for more than a year with these people. And he exhorts them two big things. Remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, number two. Remain faithful to the Lord means to cling to. To cling to Jesus, to cling to his truth, to cling to his grace. Steadfast purpose, it means to do so when life gets hard. You see, Barnabas sees new believers who are like, they just got back from the retreat, you know, they're like, oh, this is great, right? And Barnabas has seen people come and go. He's this is, you know, over a decade in for himself. And he knows life's going to hit and it's going to hurt and there's going to be suffering and there's going to be pain and there's going to be distractions. To, to, and, and, and he's saying, man, I will just, when that happens, as that happens, cling to Christ. Remain faithful with steadfast, with a purpose. Shoot to hit it, right? Don't just see the target and go home. Hit it purpose, no matter what's happening in your life. The times you need to cling to the grace of God are the times in your life where you don't see God. And he knows they need that. Why? 
because they see in Barnabas a good man. Why is he good? Jesus said no one's good but God. He's good because he's full of God. He's full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. That's who Barnabas is. And so as he's exhorting them, a great, more, a, a great many people were added to the Lord. So as he's trying to help those who have already come to the Lord, guess what's happening? A whole bunch more messy people are coming to the Lord. It is exploding. And so Barnabas decides, man, I need some help. And I don't think it's just the numbers. I think Barnabas looks, and he was humble enough to say, look, I, I, I can use the gifts and abilities God's given me, but we need someone with a different set of abilities. Someone with a laser focus on God's word. Someone who will not be deterred no matter what. Anyone know anyone like that? Well, he did, right? And, and so it says that Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. That word uh, we see translated to look, in the Greek it actually means to, uh, to, to, to look and look and look. I don't know if Saul was in the witness protection program at this point or what. But man, he, Barnabas didn't just go and be like, anyone know if Saul? Oh, no, all right, I guess I'll go back to Antioch. He looked and he looked because I'm getting this man. He's on the sidelines. He shouldn't be. They need help. I need help. And so he what? He gets uh, this Saul. He finds him. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church, and they taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. That was actually an insulting term. It was outsiders. And, and, and remember, they're Greek-speaking. And, and Christo, or, or what you see, Christ, or Christians, it, it's a word, it's just a Greek translation of Messiah. And so what they're saying by this insult was these people keep talking about this Christ. Ugh, please insult me that. Use that insult for me, right? That man won't stop talking about Christ. Oh, how terrible. These people, so they become for the first time called Christians, and we still are today, and it's not an insult at all, even though some people might use it as an insult. It means or should mean that you love to talk about the Christ. And so as we, we look at this and we look at, at Barnabas, there's a few targets that I, that, that, that I want you to shoot for. And it might mean some different things in your life, what God's calling you to do. And by the way, I don't usually do this. Consider this my gift to you. I've given you some alliteration. You guys don't look very impressed. I don't know. Maybe I'll get my glass. All right? We started with, with, with a G, okay? That's what alliteration is. The goal of goodness. Barnabas was a good man. He was a good man. The question, the hard, difficult question is, if someone was characterizing you, would they say he, she is good? Or would they say you're smart? Would they say that? What would be, say that first, would they use the word good or something like that? Kind, generous, those are all attributes of good. You ever notice that the world looks at a good for the most part, it's broken by sin and it's very murky, but it's a lot like God, even if they don't believe in God. Like if there's no God, if I don't believe in God, I don't believe in any of that, right? I'm, I'm an atheist. Well, do you know what good is? Yeah. How? You know that, that unless you know you got, you're really warped and messed up, you know that a person who comes and punches you in the face and calls you an idiot is not good. Whether you're an atheist, an agnostic, or a strong, you just know that, right? Or someone who's, who's encouraging to you, helps you, is patient with you, like, that's a good man. 
The reason for that is whether people want to believe it or not is God gave us the standard for good. He's good. Remember, Jesus said no one's good but God. And that's what he means, that God created this world. He made all of the people, even broken with sin, in his image. And so whether we like to choose to believe it or not, most of us do, but whether, whether we do or not, that, that, that there's this standard for what is good. And, and, and so, but, but that's because it comes from God. Even when you don't believe in him, it's common grace. And so to, to, what I want you to think about when you think about Barnabas is are you good? Are you good? See, good is not just a little bit less than great, okay? Like, wow. How was, how was the, the, the dinner there? Yeah, it was good. The other person's like, oh, it was great. That's not what we're talking about here. God is also great, different definition, than God is good. The goodness of God is that we have a God who saves sinners. We have a God who is so patient, so kind, so, like, so good. And, and, and when you are his and you're like Barnabas, filled with the Spirit, you can't help but practice goodness, generosity, kindness, patience. I'm not saying you're not a work in progress. We all are, right? But that's the goal. That's what we're aiming for. And so, are you good? And maybe the first uh, target, I've got to find one of our balls here. Here we go. Right? Maybe um, this is, I like preaching with this in case you fall asleep. I can really, okay. These don't hurt. Don't worry. I got the hard ones for that, all right? So maybe it's just, your, your target is, I've never trusted Christ. You're not going to get good without it. You can, you can start gritting out some behaviors that may look good, absolutely. But until you surrender your life to what Christ has done on the cross for you and lay your yes of faith down to him, that's what happens there is the Holy Spirit, like Barnabas, he comes in and he begins to clean your life up and he begins to... Uh, give you the strength, ability, and power to hit the target of goodness more and more and more. So maybe that's just you today. Stop playing around and actually put your faith in Christ for real. But a lot of us have. So what about you? Would, 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 even if you're like, you know, I'm probably not. A lot of you are too humble, right? You're, you're good. There's a lot of goodness in your life. I see it. I have a front row seat to a lot of it. But what about what the four-year-old Jamie would say? How do you get gooder? Don't you love that word? That was gooder, right? How do you get gooder? And, and the idea is remember, because sometimes we can forget this, that we just need to start doing things that are good. And that's fine, but you're never going to be able to sustain that unless you're what? Availing yourself to the Spirit, and He enables you to then practice goodness. It's like two-way street. And so the target for you, if you're like, I'm going to actually do something about this, maybe are you doing the things that enable you to be in tune with the Spirit? Right? Like, like how are you right now in the Word? You're not going to get understand the goodness of God without his Wow, oh, I read the Bible last year. That's not how this works, okay? This is an ongoing revelation of, of God, and, and, and you can't understand his goodness without it. How about do you talk and listen to God? There's a fancy word we call prayer. Maybe it's just, oh God, I want more of you. That's a beautiful prayer. Or God, I don't know what to pray. That's a prayer. You just prayed. 
Right? It's not, you get so stuck with, well, I don't pray like the pastor or the worship leader or the what. Just talk to God. What do you need? What do you want? Like, like talk to him and then listen to him and write it down, right? If, if you're a note taker, what is God telling me? Right? Avail yourself to him. How about worship? Are you worshiping God? Finding ways to be in awe of who God is. To, to, to avail yourself more to the goodness of God, one of the best practices you can have in your life is to be around others who are growing in the goodness of God. Community. Like I, I, I'll show you, right? I got, we used to have tons of bottles of this. Thank God, not as many, right? And uh, this is a sanitizer, in case you don't have your glasses on. Put that on my left hand. And then I have some dirt. Okay? Now, right? Here we are. Okay. Avery, if I were to ask you, which hand do you want to grab, what are you going to choose? Go ahead. I won't. Oh, look at it. Now you have a clean. You want that one? Catherine, you do. Anybody? First two services we had, you know, some real wise guys. Oh, we'll do that. And they, they learned. It's actual dirt, right? Of course. Avery's not dumb, right? I'm going to because she's knew that it was going to rub off on her. See, why do we understand that when it comes to, to, to hands, but not a whole lives that we're spending time with? If we spend time with people who aren't good, guess it's going to run off. It's going to rub off. I'll steal, so I will be the strong one. No, you won't. It's going to rub off. But if you are with those who are growing in the goodness of God, that will rub off on you. And you have to choose. Who are you going to, uh, who's going to be your people? You need those people. So as you do that, I don't know, whatever target, you know, we just kind of mentioned a few, and there's so many more. That, that, that now, how about how are you going to let that goodness, like Barnabas, how are you going to let it practice in your life? Maybe in your marriage or at school. Maybe it's how you talk, how you encourage. Maybe it's sin. Like the target, just like, like how, many, how many times are you going to be like, yeah, I need to stop doing that. But you do nothing to stop it. You think it's just going to stop on its own? That would be like when, when I had Colleen stand up and look behind her. Like, you need to aim for it and kill that sin. Get help. Deal with it, right? It's not going to happen on its own. And so whatever God is calling you to, to be gooder, do it. Don't write that down. It's like, you have a real dumb pastor. Gooder, good, the goodness of, of God. Second one, though, as we, we look at that target that I want you to look at, a little bit shorter, but so important. Because think about that as you become the new Christian or you're riding high. And then remember the persevering with purpose. What did he say? Two phrases. Remain faithful, right? Remain faithful with a steadfast purpose. And so I want to ask you, because maybe you've been at this for a while and you're like distracted by the world. Or you're in suffering and pain and depressed or dealing with anxiety or it's just hard or you just like, I doubt or I don't know, right? Like, are you shooting at the, aiming at the target? This is when it's so hard to say, no, 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 I am not going to go anywhere. I am going to cling to the truth of Christ. I'm not going to be shaken even though I don't see where God is. I don't feel him. I don't understand, but I'm not going to waver. That is a purpose, and what kinds of activities are you putting in your life to make sure that happens? There's this, uh, maybe you've seen it, it was a viral video. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to show it to you because it'll probably freak you out, all right, especially if you're a cat lover. Um, don't worry, it doesn't end badly, all right? But if you've ever seen it, it's like, it's like this, uh, it's a, I think it's a football game, but it's a big arena and there's a bunch of fans there, 
And they all stopped watching the game because somehow a cat got into the upper deck and had fallen and was holding on like this with its claws. And it's doing this, and the whole crowd's going, <gasps> right? Because this thing this could drop uh, uh, way too far. And, and so it's clinging, and you're just like, ooh, and ah, and you're watching it struggle. And finally it drops. And the fans had managed to get this nice parachute, and they caught it, and it was perfectly fine. But as you're watching that cat, that's the image. Right? That's the image. It's like, I'm scratching and clawing, but I will not let go. I won't do it. I'm in the word. I'm going to church. I'm showing up at my home group. I won't stop praying, stop worshiping, even when it's in the desert. That's a purpose. That's steadfast, and that's beautiful. It's beautiful. But you do fall sometimes. So that's my question with this. Who's going to catch you? Do you have someone you trust enough in your life that you share enough in your life that that you allow them to speak into your life, to pray for you, to know where you're vulnerable, to know where you're maybe messing up, to know, like, do you have that? Or are you believing the lie straight from hell that you should stay by by yourself, work on it yourself, and project that you got it all figured out to the world? That is gonna get you killed. Do you have someone like that? I am... Just this last uh, uh, elders meeting with our elders, I spent 20 minutes or more just sharing with them some places that God showed me where, and reasons why I felt kind of vulnerable with some things. That was not easy to do. But because I really trust them, that they will pray for me, they will speak in, they will watch out, that I can be held accountable to make sure, because I know the enemy wants to attack, and I want to punch him in the face. I can't do it alone. And so I sh- that's even vulnerable for me to share that with you. I thought, you know, it's nice, want, you know, if you guys thinking that I'm perfect. Does anyone here think I'm perfect? Don't raise your hand because hopefully you know by now. Just like any of you, you need your people. You trust. You got to trust them. Like don't, don't just trust anyone. But someone you know you can trust that's there. And you can, they can help you when you need it. They can, they can catch you when you fall. You need a plan for that. If it's a good season right now, okay. So, so build the habits, right? Actually hit the target so when it's not a good season, you will uh, stay steadfast and purposeful. And when we look at, at, at Barnabas, there's just one more. There's so many more, but we don't have all day. So let me just give you one more that I loved. Another alliteration, two Bs. Building bridges. Are you a bridge builder? What do I mean by that? When you think about Barnabas, he was all about building bridges. Oh, the church needs money? Let me sell some property and give it to you. That's a bridge right there, isn't it? Now they can do so much for God with that. Oh, this crazy enemy of the church gets saved and no one wants anything to do with them? Come here, Saul. Let me bring you in. Come on, guys. He's fine. He's fine. Bridge, bridge, bridge. Antioch blows up. Messy city. I'll go. Bridge. I'll spend a year with them bridge. They need more. Let me go fight Saul. Saul, come on, man. We've got to get you off the sidelines. Bridge. Uh, that, do you know that Barnabas had never saved anyone? Neither have I, neither of you. It's the mighty grace of God that saves anyone. But we are called to be a bridge. First, to, to, to those who we would call pre-believers. That's what I like calling people. Because they haven't believed yet, but God's working on them. And we don't know who those people are, so we just put them all in that camp and let God sort it out. 
Do you have those people in your life that you're building a bridge? Man, I think when I was in college and I was searching and I was struggling with the gospel, the amount of people that God put strategically in my life that spoke into and was kind enough to me to stay patient with and to be a bridge so that I might come to know the grace of Jesus Christ. Man, at the time I had no idea. Now I'm like, whew, whew. And you all have people that you could point to, don't you? Are you doing that or have you given up? Are you like, I, I'm, I'm, I have those one, two, three people that I work with or in my family or, or my friends or classmates and I'm just praying for them. And then when the opportunity comes up, when, when you're talking to them, they're like, man, I am failing math class or I'm failing at marriage, depending on your state in life. Do you go, yeah, that really stinks. Can you pass the pepper, please? I hope everything works out for you and you leave. Isn't that what James said? Like, oh, I hope you get fed and you don't actually feed them. Like, do you, do you look at that build a bridge and you just say, can I pray for you? <laughs> you know, I know in the movies they make it seem like everyone hates prayer and will punch you in the face if you pray for them. That's really not the case. There's a few people out there that are kind of crazy. For the most part, people are like, yeah, I'll take anything. Because you know what? Even if they're not sure about the belief in prayer, they see how much you care about them. And that means all the world. Or maybe you say, hey, you ever been to church? You can come with me. I love it when I see some of you and you're like, hey, this is my friend. This is my, my, my granddaughter. This is my uncle. This is, you know, and, and you kind of give me this sort of, you know, look like, don't screw the sermon up this weekend, Jamie. <laughs> don't screw it up. Whew, thank God for the grace of God that I can't screw it up, right? But because you've, you've taken a step to be a bridge, I love that. There might be some of you here right now, like, wait a minute, what? What? Is that why I'm here? Yes. Because we love you. We want you to know the gospel, but we can't believe it for you. All we can do is build bridges. Are you doing that? If not, what steps can you take? What targets can you hit? You know, believers, if we, we see Barnabas, uh, you know, believers need bridges too. I have from, to get from here to there. Even if you're a Christian, right? I want to be there. I want to kill that sin in my life. I want, to, I, want to, I want to learn that. I want to grow in that. You need bridges. You need people. I just have bridges right now, people in my life, man, that I can still go to. They'll teach me and help me. Oh, I'm so thankful for God. If you ever get to the point where like, I think I've arrived and I'm about to bestow my wisdom on the world, go in the back seat, sit down, and pray, all right? Because you all need bridges, so look for them in your life and then be bridges, what that might look like, I don't know. Are you a Barnabas? Are you a Paul? Who are you? What has God given you? Maybe you're the kind of person you see someone who's alone in church. Go sit with them. Or go out, say hello to them. Or, or, or encourage someone when you see them. It's just simple. You know, encouragement, Barnabas is a son of encouragement. I, I got this image in my mind of a pit. And we never know because, and you know yourself, there's times in your life where you're just about to fall into a pit. And you got to smile. Yeah, I'm good. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. But you're just literally falling. Now, you could go up to someone like that and be like, wow, you're dressed stupid today. Don't do that, by the way. Because what you're doing is you're shoving them down in the pit. Even if they are dressed kind of stupid, just ignore it, all right? But instead, you could say something that's amazingly encouraging to them. Hey, I saw what you did the other day. That was amazing. Oh, you're, you, you got what on the test? You're so smart. Oh, you, I saw how you served your wife. That was tremendous. Like, oh, you singing in church. I heard it. It was awesome. Like, like they might be like, ah, you know. But what you're doing is you're laying down over that pit, and you're letting them walk over you like a bridge to get to the other side. Do it. 
How do we build bridges to believers? We, 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 that's why we, we do it informally. Sometimes we do it formally in ministries. You know, we have uh, uh, adults to come here as uh, youth leaders for our teens every, pretty much every Sunday night. They spent uh, a freezing cold night in cabins a couple weekends ago for them. You know, they didn't do that because they had nothing else to do. They did it, they sacrificed because they want to be bridges, whether they're thinking of it that way or not. Because they know these teens are at the most vulnerable point in their life will ever be, and they want to come alongside and say, let me help. Let me pray for you. Let me love you. Let me help you. Let me take the time because you matter more than my comfort, my pleasure. And so it might not always be teens. It might be children. It might be men. It might be women. It might be leading a small group. But I don't know. But God will use you for who you are, where you're at, to be a bridge. Or just encourage someone. Or even like Barnabas, our giving. Sometimes we think of our church giving as, well, i got to do this, you know, and I'm glad I can do it and God's given me that. But instead, think of it as a bridge. You give resources. You now have facilities and staff and, and stuff. We can, we can buy equipment for a school playground so we can be a bridge and show them we love them. You're a wacko church. Yeah, but we love you. You're Christians. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and all those resources go to that. So, so I, I, that's a lot. And I don't, if you're one of these, like you wrote down 50 things that you need to target, don't do that. Circle like five of them, three of them, one of them. And say, I'm not going to leave here and say, that was a good target, Jamie. I'll see you next week. I want you to take aim this week and say, I'm going to do what? To grow in the goodness of God. To be steadfast with purpose to be a bridge builder like Barnabas. So what I want to do is, is, is specifically pray for that. But as I do this, this isn't just, oh, that's the end of the message, we can go home. All right, that's, that's true, okay, pretty soon. But I want you to ask the Lord that hard question. What do you want me to shoot at, aim at, throw at? Where do you want me to with purpose? Because for all of us, there might be some similarities, but there's differences too. And I'm going to pray for God's strength and the spirit of the living God in you to take aim and to hit something. Let's pray. Father, I pray with um, great humility in the name of your your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of your spirit. Reveal to the minds and hearts of your people here this morning of these things we've talked about. What, What do we need to take aim at? Thank you that you've already done so much through our church, the encouragers, the servants, the people willing to step aside to let someone else or to come alongside when someone needs help. Thank you for all that's represented here. But we pray for more. We pray for bridges all over the place to be built for people who don't know Christ to come to know him for people who do but are in a hard spot to to be encouraged because we've been here. Use us powerfully like you used Antioch and all of our mess of our city to be used for your glory, for your goodness. I pray for you to grow our goodness. I pray for you to, Lord, I, I ask for you to cover with your amazing grace those who are here and are suffering and are hurting. They want to give up. They're clinging like that cat. Oh God, would you put people around them to help them and catch them, encourage them. Would you give them the strength to keep clinging to you, Jesus? 
not give up, to not turn to the left or to the right. And Lord, for those who walked in not a Christian, not someone who's trusted Christ, that you'd give them the faith to believe finally today to yes, Jesus, you died for me. Yes, you rose in victory. Yes, you're my Lord. Yes, you're my Savior. Give us that faith to believe. May your name be honored and glorified in all that we do, not just here in this song and this time, but as we leave into the mess that's out there, may we bear the light of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you can, stand and worship with us.